I'm a travel influencer from the south side of Chicago. Worldwide, Nate. Now I've traveled from Chicago, Chicago to, to the Congo, Congo, visiting over 60 countries across six continents. Who that? Welcome to Escape with Nate, the podcast that travels. Cities around the world are reopening and will start turning public places into alfresco restaurants to prevent the spread of COVID-19. That's the new normal. Welcome to Escape with Nate, the podcast that travels. Joining me today will be the amazing director, Nzinga Stewart. I'm your host, Nate Flew-Ellen. I'm a travel influencer from the south side of Chicago. While attending the illustrious Tennessee State University, my professor challenged me to visit more countries than him. Now I've traveled from Chicago to the Congo, visiting over 60 countries and six continents. Pre-pandemic, we were in the midst of an amazing African-American travel renaissance. Escape with Nate leans into that nostalgia we're all feeling about what once was, unsure of when things will be normal again. My guests and I will flash back in time to celebrate the people and the places around the world that have filled our lives with joy and wonder. Connecting around our love for travel may just be the healing we all need. I'll also give you the latest travel industry news, what I call the new normal report to help you start planning your post-pandemic itinerary. Let's travel the world together at home. Come on, escape with Nate. All passengers for flight 101, proceed to gate 31. I am thrilled to have on the show today a multi-hyphenate. She is a writer, director and purveyor of superb things welcome to the show Nzinga Stewart how you doing Nzinga thank you happy to be here I'm glad you're happy to be here now um, I recently read this insightful quote on Twitter and I quote I'm trying not to tweet about every show I watch during this quarantine but it must be said and I'm so damn happy to say that Nzinga Stewart put her whole damn leg in episode six and seven of Little Fires Everywhere <laughs> is some of the best direction in television you'll see this year. That is coming from the Oscar winner, Barry Jenkins. So I take it your peers kind of like you. That was incredible to read because <laughs> we've never met. So it was Really, I his, he's somebody whose work I respect so much and think he has such incredible taste. So it, I had a high on that for a good solid week. Yeah, it's great to be loved and acknowledged by your peers. Yeah, because you work in a vacuum not knowing not only how it'll be received, but just is this good? Am I every single thing you do, you're asking, am I making the right decision? Right, right. Now, I remember hearing you say or reading once that when directing, you were ultimately thinking of how you can make something look cool or cinematic and that ultimately you're trying to get to the emotional truth of something. So how does traveling inspire you visually or as otherwise as a filmmaker? It expands your palette. Like your, you know, if you were an artist and you stayed in one part of the world, you would get used to seeing certain colors all the time. If you're in Morocco and you're, for example, in Marrakesh, it's a red city. You see red all the time. Your palette is red and blue of the sky. If you travel to Shafshawan in Morocco, the whole entire city is blue. And like, you know, and that's 
visually like what you would see that's different. But if you are a tourist, the idea of a whole entire space being one color, an entire city where every single building is blue, so that even if you see it from afar, the city is blue, that's something that wouldn't occur to you without travel. But now it's in your pal now it's in your handbook. Now it's in your palette of tools to play with. That if you want to elicit a certain emotional response, maybe the entire room is blue. And that might not be an idea that occurred to you. And even just how different people act in certain parts of the world, like what they think is socially acceptable are things that like you can put it in your emotional range and use it as examples. Uh, you know, when you're talking to actors, like they may say, I would never do that. And you might say, well, in this part of the world, it's customary to do that. You might do that, you know, maybe you had an experience there. So it gives them permission to do something they might not have otherwise thought to do, or they might have given some resistance to once you say, no, this happens in this part of the world, but you wouldn't know that if you hadn't traveled. And then I think for you, for me as an artist, I used to all the time go on trips by myself when I wanted to write because a, it's quiet. <laughs> like you don't have the, you have an excuse to not return calls and emails as quickly, but it's also like the story you tell about yourself in your house, who you are changes when you're abroad and people don't know that story. You feel yourself be a new person and can write from a space of, of almost innocence and of freshness. So I think travel is so important for, for any artist to do. Yeah. So now, now that we don't have travel and you know, how has life been for you sheltering in place? It's funny because I'm writing a script as we speak right now, while we're talking, there's a, um, a function on final draft, which is a screenwriting program where you can collaborate with a writing partner. So I can see while we're talking on another window, my writing partner writing scenes. So as we speak, I'm writing a script okay. that takes place out of the country and is a result of my many travels to Morocco, where now I feel like I can write a whole movie set there. And I, I know I'll never be an expert because I'm not Moroccan, but I know enough about the culture. I know what the names would be. I know where the locations would be. I know what it would look like, what it would smell like. I can give detail to that world. So it's almost like being trapped in the house through work. I've created a way to travel. That's cool. So in this period of isolation, you still found a way to stay connected. Yeah. And my writing partner has been there several times. So both of us, by just talking about it and reliving our experiences, it feels like we're traveling when we sit down to work. Yeah. You're, you're perpetually in another, in another country. Yeah. It's like a sci-fi movie where your body is here, but yeah. your mind and heart and spirit is in Morocco right now. Yes. That is pretty cool. So, so they say there are seven types of travelers. There's the, the business traveler, the solo traveler, the, per the traveler with friends, the family traveler, traveler with groups, the luxury traveler, my favorite, the adventure traveler, and I would like to throw in the eighth one is the, is the mom traveler, because me and my mom, we get passport stamps together. So what kind of traveler are you? I fit into several of those groups. <laughs> okay. Multi-hyphenate. So yeah, I understand. Hey, I'm a multi-hyphenate traveler. Before I was married, I liked to travel by myself a lot. And I okay. would encourage so strongly women to do that. Obviously, be safe 
and like be more safe than you would be at home because you know your way around and you look like a, a target more in a place where you look unsure than you do in your own neighborhood where you know where to go, who is, you know, where things are. I think it's so important for women to take that solo journey. I think you get in touch with who you really are. You feel stronger, more confident in the world. It, you can have conversations where you bring things to the table. I cannot say enough about solo travel for women and how important I think it is. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I have a lot of women who say, oh, I can't travel by myself. Fortunately, I have a lot of female solo, uh, solo travel friends that I can reference, but it's great to hear that, you know, how you are at a conviction to encourage women to do those solo travels. So that's good that you're like spreading that message. We had a, a guest who our wedding was abroad, who she had never traveled any place by herself before. And she was with a group, but I mean like without her family. And so she was afraid all the time. She, is this food safe to eat? Is it safe for us to go? Then we were like, A, you're with people from this country. <laughs> like, B, if you see 40 other people eating this, like, it's safe. We're not going to give you something. Yeah. And I think it interfered with the full enjoyment of the experience, being afraid the whole time, which is, I think, partly because she had never traveled before by herself. Like she traveled with her husband who could take care of everything for her and in, a, in the pack of her family where she felt safety in that group. But I think just like being without them, like it, it, it affected her enjoyment of the process. So I would, I would really, and I think it's just such a good way to see your life clearly when you're at a distance from the familiar. And I, I think it's, I would encourage any woman to do it. Right. And again, I w I've had some crazy travel experiences. So I would again, exercise caution in every area from like bringing antibiotics. If you get food poisoning to asking some questions about where is safe, where is not safe, making sure you're, you have copies of all your travel documents and identification spread out among your luggage, making sure you have money spread out. So if you do, have an experience where your wallet is taken, as did happen to me once, you have money someplace else. <laughs> you have another credit card someplace else. Um, but even with that experience, it, it's absolutely wonderful. But I also travel with girlfriends. Usually that becomes a luxury travel because it's friends who don't want to stay in nothing too adventurous. They're not the couch surfer type. Okay. <laughs> like, they are the Ritz Carlton Four Seasons type. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Champagne every day. Yeah. So there's that experience. There is like the mom travel, which is, and we won't be doing this anytime soon, but cruise ships and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. That seems gross now <laughs> in this day and age. Um, but, you know, just travel in general is never a bad idea. When you travel, I know when we all travel, we go out to seek to get replenished and get filled up with all these things that we can go experience in the world. But when you travel, what do you feel that you give the world when those locals interact with you? And when you visit, what do they remember about Nzinga? That's a great question. And one that I hope I ask myself more. I don't know that I've ever asked myself that question when I've been abroad. I hope in general, kindness is something I bring. Okay. I do see when I travel instances of the ugly American or the ugly European who 
do act like the people maybe they're bargaining with in the square or shopping from treat those people in a disposable way yeah and don't interact with them like they are fellows and fellow companions on this earth fellow human beings part of the brotherhood i think there's a, you're here to serve me and so i hope i'm not that kind of traveler i hope that i'm somebody who can show a recognition that you know i'm your i'm your sister from someplace else who you haven't met yet got you so you know i love that you feel like you are the sister strangers abroad just have not met yet with all your travel experience, have you found your utopia? Every place has a different thing. Like I've been to the Maldives and it's utopia in the sense that like, you're far from everything and everybody and it's paradise and the food is good. And like all day is about relaxation and fun. All day is, is physical, fun and release jet skiing and swimming and snorkeling and parasailing and like all of that stuff is so much fun wow and then there's travel that's like spiritually rewarding which i found sometimes when i've gone to mexico by myself where i've just like i, ha I have felt it just a connection with the universe and it's like going to some of those ancient pyramids just how long we've been here and that like right. humanity pushes through ultimately like ultimately it'll all be okay and then you know obviously morocco has a very special place in my heart but morocco is a place where there is beach there is mountain it is deeply devout it is modern because there are so many french and european influences there but at the same time the people still dress like they did 1500 years ago like they you know the buildings still look like they have resisted colonization in the sense that like there are no buildings that look like they're European. They look like they did in Jesus's time. Yeah. <laughs> That's who they are. They're not changing. Some AD architecture. <laughs> yeah, there's kite surfing, there's mountain climbing, there's going to the desert and riding camels. Like it's one of those places that has something for everyone, but their culture is one of hospitality and kindness. So would you say that's like your, your number one travel experience? I think so. I go back to it again and again and again. Man, that I love to hear that that passion of, of places when people talk about a place that really like touched their soul. You know, is it because you know you met your husband there? Even without him, I would say it's my favorite place. Like there's they do have the concept of luxury and like there's a, a hotel there. I recently went back for a job and the job put us up in this hotel, which is beyond five star it's like where all the presidents stay all the celebrities stay so if you want that experience and you're like okay enough roughing it in the desert with the camels <laughs> like i need a spa there is that at that side of it and if you're like i just need to like chill out at the beach and be zen there's an area called us aware where Jimi hendrix lived it's just like let me just get my vibe right <laughs> There's, wow. if you want to go hiking in the mountains away from everybody, there's like four day hikes. You get a donkey, put some stuff on its back, you go hike. <laughs> like it's, it just has everything from luxury to adventure 
to like spiritual journeys. It, it just has everything. So you did, you checked off all eight types of travelers in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mom has gone with me at least four times. So she's, there's the with mom travel. Wow. So Morocco is your spot. That's my spot. Okay. So within Morocco, what would you say was your like favorite experience? Ooh. That's like asking what's my favorite breath I ever took. <laughs> oh, wow. Cal gone take me away. <laughs> right. I like, uh, I like the blue city. There is something visually calming about a place that, that looks like it's underwater, that every single thing you see is blue and different shades of blue. That is, and it's far from everything. It's very quiet little town. It has a shopping Medina, but they're super chill and like non-aggressive. It just, there's something about that city I really like. Okay. And it's, so since your husband is from there, I'm, you guys got married there? We did several times because you get married a lot in Morocco. We had like three weddings there. Three weddings in Morocco. We did. Now, were they equally like is lit or like, tell me, why was it three weddings? Let's just start there. So one was a traditional Moroccan wedding. Okay. I had to change five times into these elaborate dresses. They have somebody to dress me and take care of me completely. It starts at 10 o'clock at night. It ends with breakfast at six in the morning. So they go all night. There's a live band. There's dancing all night. They carry me in on the big Maria, like six men carry me in like a queen. And it's always like a NASCAR pit where they change me real fast into another elaborate gown and jewelry like it's very traditional moroccan wedding sounds like a beyonce concert <laughs> it was the moroccan version but that was super fun and like just to have my american guests see that and to see what they would do was wonderful and to have the guests intermingle was really nice then we had a more traditional american wedding with the big white dress and the band from new orleans and you know, the toasts and reception and that kind of stuff there. You had a second line in Morocco? We had a second line and we brought the Hot 8 Brass Band to Morocco. Wow, that, that is Moroccan, incredible. So, we get down. <laughs> so it was such a beautiful, amazing night. And then the third wedding I'd never seen before. It was a wedding for the women in my husband's family who were very traditional Muslim and couldn't go to the other two weddings because women and men mixed. They threw an identical wedding to the first one, but with all women. So he couldn't come, but they celebrated me. They gave me the elaborate outfits, but the band was all women. There was dancing all night. The servers were all women and they dress for each other. So normally when they're that fundamentalist, like they wear, you know, the niqab where you can't see their faces. At this wedding, as soon as they get in the door, all that stuff starts coming off. There's like weave and fake lashes and MAC makeup and sequins. And like, I've never seen those women like dressed like that. And it's the same thing, like partying all night and dancing all night, but just women. Wow. You need to release the wedding documentary. Yeah. That, w that sounds incredible. Like I can yeah. just only imagine. So, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, my imagination is like, is spinning right now. Is, is there a, can like somebody that's American have a, a Moroccan wedding, like a Moroccan style wedding? I think so. I just think it's, um, I wouldn't have known what to do if his family hadn't taken the reins. Like for the first and the third wedding, they did, 
I really, I didn't even know what dress I was going to wear for the Moroccan wedding till I showed up. They did everything for me. They picked the dresses, they got the band, they hired the place, the reception hall. Like Okay. So, uh, you know, earlier you mentioned that you uh, went over there to film, to Morocco. So what is it like directing a film in another country? Um, well, when I used to do music videos, I worked in London a lot. And I felt like the experience directing in London was more different than the style I was used to than it was in Morocco. And not in a bad way. They just were different. This, in Morocco, it felt a lot closer to production here. It was every once in a while I had to dust off my French to talk to the actors. But with the crew, they were so professional and so wanting to make their country look good that they always went the extra mile. They worked hard. They were super nice. And there really was not much difference on set and just the vibe on set. In London, which I like, they, you know, in the middle of the day, they're like, now it's time to go to the pub. And I'm like, would you get alcohol in the middle of the work day? Is that what happens? They're like, yeah. Everybody stops around one. Everybody goes to the pub and has a pint. And then you come back and finish the day. Mm, I guess that's the, the tactic to keep the crew morale I, up. Yeah, huh? so I was like, there's, in, in America, I'm positive that's some kind of union violation. Mm. <laughs> but that's just how they, you know, it's every country has their things they do differently. So do you think shooting, would, would uh, shooting it internationally be more difficult than shooting in the States or, or vice versa? I think it really just depends on the country. Okay. Like I've definitely heard stories of some countries not allowing overtime at all. Like okay. you better get what you need to get in these 10 hours, which our day is 12 hours. So it's even a shorter day in some countries. Okay. Because after that, we're going home. Right. <laughs> like it's every country I think has its own. I think if everybody is there and excited and engaged, the process is good. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I know you're busy writing right now. Do you have any upcoming projects coming out this year, pending? Everything goes right? It's that. Um, pending the world writing itself. I do have something coming up that I can't say just yet, but I will say a large part of it is shot overseas. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell all the listeners to follow you on Instagram so they won't miss out on when it gets announced. I hope it's soon, but it's, I think, with the world the way it is. I'm not, um, as much as I love travel, and I also, and this is a big part of why I love travel, I love food. Oh, yes. And I just miss restaurants and like fine dining. Yeah, just looking at the menu and looking at <laughs> yes. the words just, just get you excited and your taste buds excited. Yes, like as much as I miss that. I'm not, I only am in a hurry for people to get to earn a living. I'm not in a hurry to leave and, be out there until this thing is more under control. Okay, so in the far back of your mind, where is the first place you would visit once the pandemic is over? Japan. Japan? Japan. Arigato ogomasu. <laughs> yes. I love Japan. I've wanted to go to Japan forever. And it's always like something has happened. Like okay. right at the last minute, or I've been convinced like, well, my friends want to go here, so let's go here. I've always wanted to go to Japan. See, when you go, I know you're going to love it because Tokyo is just this futuristic place. And then when you explore like outside of the city, you get into the traditional vibe. It's the future in the present because it's just so yeah. ahead of its time. So I know you will like go and be inspired. And the sushi. I'm so excited. 
about Japan. Oh, the freshness of it. Yeah. I'm so excited. I want to go salt shopping because I hear they have like 60 kinds of salt. Like, and you taste the salt. And I'm so excited about Japan. Oh, okay. Japan. That's what's up. I like to ask all my guests, what is your travel spirit animal? Um, and, and you know, my, mine is a hummingbird because the hummingbirds, they're, they're very playful. They have fight in them too, but they don't take life really serious and they're really quick and then they off and moving. So that's like my, my travel spirit animal. I always have like this joy when I travel. When you think of a spirit animal, what comes to mind? Because I have one, so I know how, how he acts. I would say it's a cat. I mean, cats at nighttime are extremely active because that's their ancestors hunt at night. So they're very, very busy and all over the place and running around like crazy, but they sleep 20 hours a day. <laughs> so there is definitely a part of me that wants to see everything, is curious about everything, wants to get into everything and run around and do everything. But I also need rest in my vacation. I also need a day at the pool with some cocktails, a day at the spa, a day to just sleep. Like I want the adventure and I want rest. And I'm curious about everything. So I would say a cat. Okay. I, I love that answer. Now, and Zing, I need you to help me out. I have a question from my Instagram page. It's from Ashanti underscore LAX. And she asked, what are your packing rituals? And do you always just check a bag? It depends how long I'm staying. Ideally, I would never check a bag. Oftentimes, like if I go someplace, I know I'm going to shop. I will bring an empty suitcase. Um, one packing ritual that I think is important is copy all of your documents, put copies in everything. Like if you carry two suitcases and a purse, your originals can be in your purse. Both of those other suitcases should have copies of your documents. Cause what if something is lost at the airport? What if you lose your carry on or, you know, and that is very easy to do. Um, and I would also carry, I have, and this is scary, but it's not going to happen to everybody. I have been robbed while abroad and I have been like, come back to the hotel and found somebody went through my stuff and took my wallet. Oh. So two times I've been without money abroad. <laughs> so, okay. and when you don't have identification, your family can't even send you money because you can't pick it up. Right. So I would say... Now, when I travel and everything I carry, like in each bag, I'll hide because if I go through your stuff, I'll hide some cash and I'll hide an extra credit card that has a low credit limit. So they, even if it gets stolen or something, it's like they can only spend $500 <laughs> and my documentation. I would do that across my luggage and I do it with something that people can't see, like those flat to your body wallets. I used to not be that safe and was traveling for 20 years with no problem whatsoever. But once you have the problem, like you are a lot more careful in the future. Yeah, that's a great reminder. I used to do that a lot when I first traveled, but now I, I got, I guess I could say I got so comfortable that I haven't done that. But then I, as you say it, it's like, oh, I do have a, a <laughs> fully functional printer. I'm going to use that the next time I travel and, and make yeah. sure I keep those copies of ID at the very least. But I like those tips with the storing the cash and the money. So that's that's pretty, those are great tips. I'm pretty sure Ashanti LAX, underscore LAX will appreciate that response. Oh, and I will say Ashanti, um, 
don't take big bottles of stuff. If you, it's better to buy the travel, like a smaller bottle, like maybe the travel size stuff is too small. If you're staying for like a week or two, if that's the case and you need like lotion and shampoo, buy that there. Don't carry and make your bag heavy and leave it there. Don't, don't carry all that stuff in your luggage. Just travel sizes and go to the grocery store and buy the big size there. Well, there you have it. And Zynga, thank you for that, uh, you know, telling your travel story and give us some great travel tips. I mean, you just helped me remember some things that I should be practicing. So it's like, wake, you know, <laughs> like, wake up, Nate. So I just want to thank you for joining me today. This is the fabulous Nzinga Stewart. You can find her on IM, on Instagram, but also go to her IMDB page so you can see all of her work and then see. And then also if you um on YouTube, go and watch the flip side with Jay-Z and Freeway. Love that video. And good luck with all your projects in Zynga. I hope you come back and, you know, see us again. And This was fun. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you taking time out, joining yeah, us today. In the we'll, we'll reconvene when I go to Japan. Uh, definitely. Keep me posted <laughs> on that trip. I will, I will okay. fly out there. I got some friends out there. Let me know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that will be good. I got a friend, a filmmaker out there, too. That's a good friend. Oh, so, okay. And he, uh, he has a family out there. A brother from Baltimore, got a Japanese family, so. Oh, that's one last thing. We'll leave with this one last note. Ask people you know who are from there for recommendations, like, of people they think you might like to hang out with. Because, for example, we went to China, and a good friend of, my, of mine, his wife is from Beijing. She hooked us up with, like, seven people who made us have one of the best vacations ever because they're locals. Like, one girl was a Chinese pop star. One was her mother who did traditional cooking for us. Some other film executives, cause she knew I was in film. Like, and it made our vacation wonderful cause we had local people we could talk to and who showed us different, you know, things we wouldn't know about as tourists. So that is the most important one. Okay, perfect. There you have it. <laughs> All right. And Zynga Stewart. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, the new normal report. Travelers abroad Delta Airlines are about to have fewer options when it comes to airports in major metro areas. Delta announced that it's cutting service at 10 U.S. airports. Cities affected include New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. In each case, Delta says the airports where it's temporarily pulling service are relatively close to other large airports that travelers can use as an alternative. By consolidating operations while customer traffic is low, Delta believes more of their people can stay home in accordance with local health guidelines. The changes will stay until September as airlines attempt to reduce its employees' possible exposure to coronavirus. And that's the new normal. Your attention, United Flight 101 is closing doors Thank you for escaping with me today. Be sure to share my podcast with your friends and follow me on Instagram at Worldwide Nate. And please subscribe to Escape with Nate so we can continue to travel the world together at home. Escape with Nate can be found on all major podcast directories, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Who that? Internets, until next time, stay safe and adventure accordingly.
This has been a 31 Dogwood and Tasty Shop Media production with production sound design by Wine Designs Media. Brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau.